What's up, guys? I want to give a shout out to all the people that have been listening to the podcast for the last two full years, actually three full years. And I also want to give a shout out to all the new people who have been listening for the last couple weeks. Our numbers are consistently growing by dozens every single week. And I just want to give a huge shout out to all the new listeners out there. If you like the podcast, if you're enjoying the content, please subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend or family member. Now right to the episode. To all the people that are listening and watching on YouTube, welcome to the Life Coach Tech Podcast. My guest today is Carla Fowler, and she's an executive coach with FAXA, a boutique executive coaching firm that leverages the best ideas from performance science to help leaders around the globe. Carla, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the podcast today. Um, obviously I'm a life coach and I talk a lot about high performance. So tell us a little bit about FAXA and what you do. Awesome. Well, um, so FAXA was definitely born out of a lifelong passion for high performance. And when I think about that, it's not just about like natural talent. It's really this stuff that helps anyone perform at a higher level. And so um, I think there are, there's a lot of great science and ideas out there. And so really, I founded my practice to work with leaders who were trying to set ambitious goals, often where there's a lot of uncertainty or risk involved. Um, and I wanted to really help them use performance science um, and all the great ideas so that they could accelerate, they could be focused, um, and really just improve the results they were getting. Um, so I've been doing that for 10 years. Um, and um, it's been a really interesting uh, ride, and um, and I love it. Amazing. So when I think of uh, high performance and like science-backed results, I think about biohacking, and I think <laughs> about neuroplasticity. Is that yeah. kind of aligned what you do? So um, what I would say is I focus much more kind of on that like thought and executive realm, but I will say personally, I absolutely think a lot about like our mind and our body are totally connected. So for example, if you're thinking about um, how much sleep you're getting, what are you eating? You know, are you moving? You know, like what kind of exercise you're doing? I think those things are so important in my own life. I'm pursuing a lot of stuff around that. But I would say um, in my coaching practice, I'm really working with executives and less on that biology side. Um, I mean, I do have an MD, but I'm kind of staying out of that sort of biological side and much more working through like, okay, what are the kinds of sort of lenses, perspectives, or ways to approach kind of their strategy, what they're doing to help them really achieve what they want to achieve and improve where they want to improve. Got it. So when it comes to perspective and looking at life through a certain lens, what are some commonalities that are that are pretty common when it comes to different perspectives in life. Oh man, well, you like just asked me one of my favorite questions because I think for me, when you come into performance science, right? Like you just brought up all the different realms. Like there's the physical realm, there's the biohacking. Um, but I would say on the kind of thought side of things, part of what's challenging is there are so many ideas out there. And so part of my job over the last 10 years was really to distill if I had to say, what are some perspectives that I think are universally helpful to people? Like, what are those things? So there are three big ones that I think are really important. And so they are, and we could totally talk in detail about them, but they are brutal focus, learning to cultivate power, 
And then finally, learning to relish uncertainty. And so like that's at the high level. And and again, these kind of interplay with each other. But um, I'm happy to talk a little more about like, okay, Carla, what does it mean? What does it look like to be brutally focused? Or- Please, I was I was just going to ask you. So focus, power, and uncertainty. So when it comes to yes. focus, I think of like me as as a as a writer, as a podcaster, as an entrepreneur. It's important that I stay focused on deep work, on tasks that are high value, that create the most traction. And how, if I were to hire you, how would I? stay as focused as possible. Right. So, and this is, I'll talk a little bit about what I do with clients, but also I want everyone to just remember that like there, you can do some of this at your desk in your home. So I like to talk about it both ways. So in terms of like uh, when I work with clients, one of the first things we do is we actually work towards that brutal focus. And so what I mean by that is we do kind of a day-long strategic retreat to ask some basic questions, but questions that are challenging. So the first one is, what do you want? So for example, like you're operating in a number of different realms. And one of the really important things is potentially to say, like, that's okay to do that and often necessary, but it's often really important then to say, what do I want to achieve in each of these areas? Um, maybe it's like, what purpose does this serve? Or maybe it's that it actually has a primary goal in and of itself, right? And then to kind of ask the question, okay, if we can really get focused and understand the goal, maybe part of the goal is, wow, like I really want to push forward my coaching practice, but you know, there are some pieces of that that are increasing the impact where like writing the book or um, doing some other things. Maybe you actually want to be a best-selling author, right? Maybe that's a piece, but maybe the the book is supporting a different primary goal. And I bring that up because our brains like make all these different connections, but sometimes we equally rate everything. And that's when we often feel like, oh my gosh, I just have to keep adding stuff. And that is where focus really helps. So we start by saying, what's the goal? Then we start to say, okay, well, given that goal, what's really the driver for that? You talked about high value activities. And I often like to even say, like sometimes it's an activity, but sometimes it's even start at a at a meta activity, right? Like you could say, well, there's sales, right? Like if you're selling something and frankly, all of us are selling something, you know, then thinking about like, okay, well, I got to make whatever that thing is and I got to sell it also. And so that's sort of like those things both matter. So figuring out what's important out of all the stuff you could do, and there's a lot of great stuff you can do, but figuring out what your most high value activities are going to be for each of those goals matters a lot. So that's how I think about brutal focus. And then you've got the big pile of everything extraneous, and that includes a lot of good stuff. But sometimes it's stuff that isn't as good as like what you're going to primarily choose to focus on. So that's how I think about brutal focus. And we start there because then everything else you do to improve how you do those things goes way better because you fundamentally picked some of the right things to start with. So what are some habits you think or what are some hacks for people that are listening so they can become more focused at whatever it is they're doing? Awesome. Okay. Well, Let's just say, I'll just say a disclaimer, which is like, I when I work with people, I definitely work with them over time. So I'm not the person with the huge pile of like, of like a bag of um, hacks, but here is a simple thing that I think is really helpful. It's like, sit down at home. Yeah, I'm holding up this post-it pad because really you don't need like a huge document or something, literally a little piece of paper. Pick an area of your work or your life that you're like, 
okay, I don't feel like this is going how I want it to be. Or maybe it's like, I think I could be amazing at this and I, I want to level it up, right? And then pick a goal. Try your best to think about what you want, right? Like what would actually be thrilling or satisfying? Try to avoid some of the shoulds. You don't need to go shoulding on yourself. <laughs> but like, you know, what would make you smile? Well, you know, what would feel really gratifying? And then I like to use the 90-90-90 rule. <laughs> so figure out, uh, so I'll explain the 90-90-90 rule in a minute, but figure out what's something that you feel pretty sure is actually really important for that thing. And sometimes that takes being honest. You got to kind of say, oh, I know I read an article about this and an article about this, but like fundamentally, what's kind of important for this thing? So for example, if you have a business and you're like, okay, I know I actually need to be going out and selling. Like I need to acknowledge people are not just going to walk in the door. I mean, I experienced this. When I started my practice, I had zero clients. <laughs> so we all like go through this at some point and um, figure out like what's going to be really important in that. And then figure out one small activity, one thing you could do. So maybe that's like you say, okay, first thing in the morning, I am going to do some outreach first thing in the morning and I'm going to do it for 20 minutes, but I'm going to do it every day and I'm going to really protect that time. So figure out something. And the key to 90-90-90 is that 90% of people don't ever start something. About 90% of people don't keep going and keep doing that thing. And then the last 90 is about improvement. So it's about uh, the last sort of um, 90% don't actually keep doing the thing and then improve or change how they're doing it to sort of learn some new things or see what works better or worse. And so I just encourage people, once you've figured out one small activity, to then say, get started. What's the first step? What's the simplest thing you could do? And that might just be, I put it on my calendar for tomorrow, or I put it in my calendar on auto repeat going forwards. And then, um, and then it's to start, do it once, zero to one. And then the key is don't worry about improving yet. Just keep doing it. Do it for two weeks, you know, because that puts you in a very small percent of people. And the truth is then, then you can kind of start to think about iterating. Hey, I didn't like how that went yesterday. Maybe I could do it differently today. What might I do a little differently? And that's where the power of compounding really comes into play. So this idea that like when you find an important thing and you're willing to do it with consistency and you give it some time, we produce really outsized results from what we might expect. Like I think you you um you do physical training. Like I think I remember did you do some did you do an Ironman? Is I did an Ironman right? last year, yep. Okay. Right. So any I mean, how did you even think about doing an Ironman and you start and like that is a ton of distance to cover over the course of a day. You definitely don't start there, right? But like somehow you get there. Like how long did it take you to train for that? No, you're you're absolutely right. It's all about just like tying my shoes and walking out the door, and just not so much. It just got started. Not so much counting how fast I was going or how many miles I was putting in. It's all about just tie my shoes, walk out the door, run for thirty minutes, and then, like you said, just be consistent because those small those small wins consistently execute over time amount to those massive results of finishing an Ironman. So you're absolutely right about the focus. I, I love that. And the ninety 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 is something that uh, a lot of more people can apply to their life, regardless of what industry they're in. And one of the great things you can think about is, again, as a hack, what can you do to set up a system that forces you to keep going, like even when you don't want to? So this is something that is a really interesting way to look at it. So sometimes it's like I signed up for a trainer and I pre-bought, you know, like <laughs> I like pre-bought through the end of the year. 
is a great way to say like, okay, that money, like I have spent that money and I have booked that time. And so there are these hacks you can do to say, once I've started, how can I just make sure I keep going? You know, I don't know if you had things where you're like, how do I make sure I still tie up my shoes and get out the door or like get on my bicycle? Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, that is, that's brutal focus. But it's really because I think we're overwhelmed with like just ideas and, oh, I should do this. I should do this. Man, there's all this stuff that I am not doing for performance because we have access to it. It's on the internet. It's in blogs. It's on podcasts. And I think that can be really overwhelming for people. And so I like to carry the message of like, actually, when we subtract things and we actually say, no, what's really going to matter here? And we stop feeling bad about not doing all the things, but we just say, here's my key activity in this area. It really matters for what do I want to accomplish. And then execute on that and be consistent because if you do, you're going to be in the top 10% because most people don't even start. And the people that do start, most most people don't even stay consistent about it. So you're really setting, uh, getting ahead of the pack by just uh, doing it and doing it consistently. But let's transition into power. Tell us more about power and how, how that plays into it. I love this one because some people are uncomfortable with that word. I love it because I believe we have a lot of agency. Um, I think we have more power and agency than we often admit in terms of just seeing and owning our choices. But so here's the thing about power. So part of power does come from like, what results are we producing? And so one way you can increase your power is to like level up your skills, right? If there's something like, if you want to be a best-selling author and you're like, I need to be a better writer. You know, like there's probably some things you could do about that, like a workshop you could take, um, more deliberate practice. So sometimes it's leveling up skills. You know, sometimes it's identifying what results are going to be the most important results. Like, for example, some people are really good at doing some internal stuff on their business, but the results that maybe matter more are what are they doing external? So number one is kind of figure out what results matter and what you need to do to kind of level some of those up. But here's the secret part that a lot of people miss. We often think if our performance is high, that that will equal success. And the truth is, in places where performance is really easy to measure, like tennis, as an example, like if you win the tournament, you'll get like people know who you are, you're going to get some sponsorship interest. So those things are very closely matched. But in other realms like business or just things where performance is harder to measure on an objective scale, what happens is your actual results matter, but they also have to be visible to a network of people. So you need people to actually be seeing your results. And that combo of good results plus people appreciating those matters a lot. So one of the challenges people run into is maybe they're at their jobs or they're working really hard and they're like, man, like I'm really good at this thing. And so that should be enough. But the truth is, if they're not doing some self-promotion, they're not getting it visible either to a network, to their boss, like then often that's not enough to get where you want to go. And so this kind of brings me to the third point of power, which is almost anything we want to do at scale needs people, right? We need relationships. We need some network. We don't always know how we're going to use those, but you know, like that's how a lot of big stuff happens. And so I think it's always worthwhile cultivating network as an asset. I don't just mean like how many LinkedIn connects can I get? I mean, what are the relationships you're building? People who know who you are, know something about what you do, who know who you are as a person, or at least know like, yeah, he's interesting or he's kind or, you know, that's kind of that third piece of power. But I um, really like to point out this piece about you need to think about what you're producing. So kind of your performance. 
also really have to think about who is seeing it. If no one is seeing it, it's possible it never happens in the minds of, you know, the world. So that's what I think about power. <laughs> okay. Very smart. Very smart. And then uncertainty. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Tell us more about how that plays into it. Well, I think uncertainty, this is actually... I mean, I like all of them, but this one is really powerful because we spend a lot of energy trying to control things. Um, it's very human nature. And so we can like basically create a lot of friction for ourselves when we try and eliminate uncertainty. And so my approach is to help people kind of lean into that because truth is we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. And so what it means is, and particularly when you're doing something ambitious, you really have to think about like, okay, there's a lot of stuff that I don't know is going to happen and I can't plan for it all. And so the first thing I recommend is how do we have a mindset of abundance about that? So rather than trying to control everything to sort of say, well, there's actually a lot of ways this could go well that I haven't even thought of yet. And so give yourself some future credit and say like, okay, uh, it might not go how I thought it would, but I believe in myself. I think we can figure it out. And it might be great. It might be better than even what we could. So the second piece is to, um, when you look at uncertainty, if something is knowable and you just don't know it, go ahead and take care of that. <laughs> like you could just do some work and take care of that. But some things are unknowable and it's worth just recognizing what those are so you don't pour a bunch of time down trying to know something that's not knowable. Third piece. I teach people to run great experiments. So a great experiment is where you acknowledge that you're going to have to go out, take a risk and do something to learn something. And so good experiments have a good amount of upside for not, you know, for a reasonable amount of downside. So that's one way you set up a good experiment where the risk ratio is beneficial. Um, and then I also tell people to think about how will they, whether it goes well or it doesn't go well, how will they know um, and learn from that experience? So thinking ahead about how will you learn from it? So your next experiment is better. So that's how I think about uncertainty. Okay. Um, and the different parts of that. Love that. Now, how much does spirituality have to uh, play into like manifesting what you want and creating high goals and things like that? Do you are you a spiritual person? Do you believe in manifesting goals and dreams or is everything more analytical? Great question. You know, I think of people as like one being. And so absolutely like the spiritual element or like what our mindset is matters a lot. Even the words we say have power and kind of tinker with bits of our brains. If we say something's hard, that's really different than if we say like, whoa, this is a good challenge, right? So I, I don't know if that makes me spiritual or not, but I think there is there are all these unknowables that are at work in us. And even if we can't see them, it is worth stacking the deck in your favor by saying, what's going to help me? If I believe this will help me, great. Like, I don't have to know for sure. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and then t tell me some about some uh, some of the results that you've helped some of your clients achieve. This is, I love this question. Now, to be fair, I coach on all kind of different elements of high performance. So some things are more measurable than others, but I think it's, it's definitely exciting when someone has an insight that is very measurable. So like, for example, I was coaching an entrepreneur who had this goal of selling their company in a couple of years. And they had thought about it a lot. And in this, like our initial sort of brutal focus strategic retreat, one of the insights that came up as I was asking questions and I was like, well, tell me why that is. Tell me why that is like and the insights that came up were that he needed to immediately and aggressively raise his prices. And the end result of having that insight three years later, when he successfully sold the company was like $10 million in um, added sale price. So like there are these moments or like a moment when someone realizes that there's a constraint that is really holding something back 
working with someone who was raising a round. Um, they thought the round was closed, but they were feeling pretty tight on milestones. Um, and we really looked through like, what assumptions are here? Or what constraints are here that don't need to be here? That realization of, oh, the round is closed when I say the round is closed. You know, this person went out, raised more money and suddenly greatly increased their chances of success at like hitting those milestones going forwards. So like these, it looks different for different people. Those are two entrepreneurial examples. But, you know, like sometimes it's something around leadership. Like someone says, I worked with a leader and we created their sort of brutal focus framework. And one of the really cool things that came out of that was they took it back to their team of leaders and presented it to them. And everyone said, oh, my gosh, I can see with clarity where we're going, what's most important for that. And now I can see what part I'm contributing. And the end result was that I never worked with his team. I only worked with this client. But the whole team had better clarity, understood where they were contributing. So they were more motivated. And then they all wanted to go build their own frameworks to like guide their own work. So there's this wow. waterfall effect of focus and clarity that helps beyond just our mental state, right? Like it helps with now how we communicate to other people and get opportunities from that or help motivate them. So yeah, those are just, Crazy. I know, rapid fire stories. But <laughs> So many great results. So what, uh, what are some last words you want to leave to the audience today? Oh, great question. So many words. I just think that the small steps we can take to get started, I think we often think we have to do something huge to be a high performer, to um, really sort of see ourselves that way. When the truth, I think, is much more simple, right? Like we can go back to 90, 90, 90, and you can put yourself in the top like 0.1%. When you pick something that matters, get started, keep doing it, and only then start to think about like, okay, and now how can I miss? Um, it makes you rare. You don't have to do something huge to be rare. So. Anyways, I think that's my parting, parting thought. Love that. Carla, thank you so much for your time today. To all the people that are watching on YouTube, thank you so much for, for sticking around up until now. I'm going to drop the link to uh, Thaxa.com and all of Carla's socials. To all the people listening on Audible, Spotify, and podcast, thank you so much again. Hope you guys have a wonderful day, and I will see you guys on the next episode.